It is my great joy to introduce to you the three musketeers hailing from the land of remote work. We have Marissa, career coach and queen of all. We have Jeff, our sassy SEO shaman. And we have Diego, who has spent his 20s building a community of remote working lunatics. Sure, these folks are going to be the people that will get you beach commute ready. And they'll do it in the most exciting way possible. So, happy listening. Welcome, everybody, to the Digital Nomad Experts podcast brought to you by Beach Commute. And today I'm joined by my friend, Julie. Julie, what is up? Hello, everyone. It is so great to be here. Introduce yourself for the audience. Who's Julie Kornfeld? Wow, that is a tough question, Jeff. Julie is, I'm a human rights lawyer. I originally am from, you can choose Philadelphia, Michigan, or New York. And I feel like I've been traveling since high school and I have become a digital nomad in the last two years. Finally leaned into the life that I was living and just fully embraced it. So here I am and I'm talking to you from Cape Town, South Africa. You said that you started traveling back in high school. What kind of travel were you doing? I I had went on summer trips to the Canadian Rockies, Israel, and then in college, I studied abroad in Uganda, which was quite unique. And that kind of just real planted the seed for the travel bug. And so after college, I then lived back in Uganda for a year and I traveled all over East Africa and South Africa. And from then, I just always made it a point to travel and have a career that allowed me that flexibility. So it was that trip to Uganda that kind of lit the spark. Exactly. I think so. Basically, what happened is in high school, Darfur was happening and it really just like irked me. I couldn't understand how a genocide was happening while I was sitting at home in Metro Detroit. And it kind of just sparked my interest for the conflicts that were happening worldwide and generally what was happening in sub-Saharan Africa. So I kind of made it a point that I wanted to go to the nearby region to see it for myself. And so in college, the options for studying abroad were South Africa or Uganda. And I chose Uganda since it was closer to Darfur. There were lots of internally displaced populations and refugee populations there. And I just fell in love with being in a development world. Uh-huh. It, tell me a little bit more about that process where you were there and something triggered in your brain and you're like, oh, my God, I got to live this way. What was that like? I think it was more just like it was just talking to people every day, feeling like an adventure, being curious and wanting to just keep giving and having the conversations and being able to have an impact in some kind of way. And so when I came back to, I went to college in the Chicago area. When I came back to Chicago, I just had this desire to continue the conversations, to continue the type of work that I was doing in Uganda. And Chicago, surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly to the audience, is not that international of a city. And so the only ways for me to really do that work was working at a refugee resettlement agency. And that kind of was just the everything came together there because I am an extreme people person. I loved learning about the world and I'm also very action oriented. 
And so through refugees, I get to talk to people from all over the world. I get to learn about their individual stories of persecution, resilience, and then through that, hear about their cultures, the history of the countries that they come from. And then in my role, I get to help them. At that time, it was through finding employment, and then eventually I became a refugee lawyer. Mm. Oh, what is a refugee lawyer? You are the first of the kind on this podcast, and you were mentioned earlier and in an earlier episode, I can't remember what number it was, with our list of interesting people that we met. Me and Diego agreed that you were one of the most interesting people that we met over the previous year. And part of that is that you are the only human rights lawyer that we have ever met. <laughs> Tell us. Yeah, that was a huge honor to hear both you and Diego say that I was the most interesting person, 2021 or whenever it was. And the a refugee lawyer is, so basically what I was doing was I was representing people who were in their country of origin or people who had fled their country of origins and was in a neighboring country and were trying to get to a place of safety. So I represent people from all over the world, from Syria, Afghanistan, Guatemala, Nicaragua, from Burma, from you name it. And I've, I have probably represented a client from that area. And I represent them in their legal pathways to safety, whether it's they're trying to get to the United States, Canada, or Europe. And so as a refugee lawyer, I did have a office in New York, but my office, my organization had offices in Beirut, Amman, Berlin, and my clients were all over the world. So I didn't technically have to go to the office. And so I always dabbled in the idea of going remote, but it really took me until COVID to lean into that. Mm. And your first trip during COVID was Colombia? That is correct. So basically... Oh. When COVID hit, I went through my bucket list, like my life bucket list. So I think April 2020, I was like, what are the things on Julie's bucket list that she wants to get done? I was sheltered in South Jersey with my brother, his partner, and a friend. And on that list was become a digital nomad. And so I had already had Wi-Fi tried and remote year, and I was debating between the two and... I just sent in my application for Wi-Fi Tribe and had my interview in April or May of 2020. And then I was in the community, but it took, I guess, like until January 2021 to take my first trip to Colombia. And I chose Colombia because I had actually, again, I've been a traveler for a while. I had been to Colombia, I think, in 2018 with my brother. And it was that feeling that like, people described when you go do college campus visits where like you walk on campus and people are like, oh, you'll, I didn't get that when I went to college, but I got that when I went to Columbia, specifically Medellin. I was like, I want to live here one day. And so I saw that Wi-Fi Tribe had a Santa Marta chapter and then a Medellin chapter. So I was like, let's do it. This seems perfect. Let me finally live in Columbia for a couple months. And that's mm -hmm. where I got to meet you, Jeff, and Diego. And Oof. no turning back now. No turning back now. So this is this is it for you. You're going to be traveling around the world the rest of your life. I don't see myself settling for a while. I think it will take a very unique place, more a unique person or unique thing to make me want to stay. I have fully embraced this lifestyle. And even if I like stay in somewhere for six months, or longer than that, like I always see myself 
traveling and taking longer working remotely for periods of my life. Mm. So we got this one off the bucket list. What else is on the Julie bucket list? Ooh. So I think this is one of the hard things for me now is I have an, I don't really have a nomad bucket list, but I have a vacation bucket list. And I think this is one of the things that is hard as a digital nomad is I feel like I rarely take vacation because I'm always traveling and I'm always in great places and I'm choosing places based off of either friends or Wi-Fi connectivity time zones in a way that I that aren't factors into travel or or vacation. And so Mm -hmm. I prioritize the nomad aspects, but not necessarily the vacation aspects. And so I think I'm very more passive when it comes to where I'm going nomad. Whereas for vacation, I have like a bucket list and that bucket list is like Nepal. I really want to do either Everest Base Camp or Annapurna, but like I don't think I can be a digital nomad on top of Everest, but who knows? I'm sure someone has done it. But the bucket list right mm-hmm. now is summer of the Ias is what I'm saying. That means Serbia, Bulgaria, Estonia, Lithuania. So that's where you'll see me this summer. <laughs> so when we go back to 2021, or it was 2020? Was it? No, it was 2021 when you became a digital nomad. What When you decided that's what you were going to do, what was that transition like for you? Did you have to sell a bunch of stuff, get rid of a lease? Where were you at that point in your life? Yeah, I don't think I fully knew what I was doing. Like, I think I was putting a toe into the water. And so I, I was in New York. I had my New York apartment and I had a roommate and we talked that like in April we would give up our apartment and I kind of like had ideas of how I was going to spend the next year. I was going to spend the first three months in Columbia and then eventually go to the Bay Area and then go back to Uganda and then probably come back to New York in January of 2022. But so I had I packed up a lot of the things in my apartment, but I still had things in my apartment and I was supposed to come back to New York after Columbia, pack everything up and then maybe head to the Bay Area for a little bit. But I spent the first three months in Columbia, loved it so much, wanted to continue doing Wi-Fi Tribe, and I signed up for the Antigua chapter. And so this is where my family was amazing and extremely supportive. They ended up going to New York and packing my apartment for me Oh wow! Uh, while I got to stay in Guatemala and then made it to San Francisco eventually huh. and somehow... My stuff was there because of family and friends that just helped me continue making this dream happen. So very, very That's thankful amazing. to have such supportive family and friends. That's amazing. So since then, where have you traveled to start this thing back in Colombia? Yeah, so Colombia, then Guatemala, then the Bay Area, then Peru, Uganda, and then I had to go back to New York slash New Haven because... I not only was I being a refugee lawyer while I was a nomad, I was also teaching law school <laughs> as a nomad. I remember um, that. And yeah. th- that worked out well during the pandemic. But then when the pandemic turned a phase, then I had to start showing up on campus in person. So I had to go back to the New York area for the spring semester of 2022. So I was there. 
And then over the summer, I've been, I was in Norway, Barcelona, back to Uganda. I go to Uganda a lot, and that's now for work. I was in San Sebastian, Denmark, and Mauritius, and now I'm in Cape Town. Mm, well, where sticks out to you? Like, out looking at the last couple of years of travel, that you think, oh my God, this place was awesome, and I need to go back. I feel like I could always go back to Colombia. I I mean, it was my second time there. I feel like it is always a place that will feel somewhat like home. I'm currently in Cape Town. I love it here as well. I had not as strong as a connection as I did to Colombia, but I used to live in Joburg. That was back in 2016. And I came to Cape Town for a five-day weekend, and I was like, this is an amazing city. I would love to spend more time here. And I'm on entering month three of being here and I could uh-huh. continue staying here for a while. So these two definitely stick out. Barcelona is also amazing from friends, culture, nightlife, oh, food. food. <laughs> exactly. Like the yeah. list goes on and on. So I feel like there, I really haven't been anywhere that I would not go back to. And that's saying a lot because I used to say, I, called myself a passport stamp whore, just trying to count those countries. And so (laughs) I wouldn't want to go back to a place I had been because I just wanted to keep getting new countries. But I think since embracing the digital nomad lifestyle, I am much more uh, prone to going back to places I've been because it's a very different way in which you experience a city. And I don't take that for granted now. Marissa makes fun of me because I keep going back to the same places. I, I think I've been to Colombia like seven times. I've got all the same passport stamps just done over and over and over again. So would you say that since you, you've kind of gone from the, the passport stamp collection phase to are you more of like a slow mad? At this point, you've been here three months. This is kind of like a, more of the lifestyle that you would prefer to have. I think I go in and out. I think it really depends huh. Like this summer, I feel like is going to be more of the traditional nomad. Last summer was more of the traditional nomad of like spending a couple weeks in each place. And I kind of like having it interspersed. I like having the periods of three to four months in one place and then going back into the new, new country, new city every couple of weeks. I think doing both for me is not sustainable. I need to continue to have that like that change in the way in which I work, in the way in which I experience the city, in the way I pack, those kinds of things. You've Since you've been able to be here for an extended period of time, you've been an adventurer. Tell the audience about Plettenberg. You squeezed oh. in so much <laughs> adrenaline into four or five days. I, I, I can't believe. Tell everybody what you did. Yeah, so the, there was, I think, 12 of us that did a road trip to Berg. This is on the garden route, something that Cape Town is known for and something that I was definitely on my bucket list of things to do. But one of the things about doing the garden trip, garden route, is that people are like, you have to take days off to do it because you're on a road trip. But in typical nomad style, we figured out how to do this in a way that would allow us to be productive at work. And so we drove, well, I didn't drive, Jeff drove six, seven hours straight. And we stayed in this amazing villa in Plettenberg. And then on the mornings, we would take 
day trips to the other sites that you would do on the garden route. And I would wake up at 7 a.m. and go skydiving. And there's actually a picture of Danny Byrne, who was a guest on your show earlier, and myself just on our computers waiting to skydive. We went shark diving, shark cage diving. We went hiking. We there were, Groups went paintballing. People went bungee jumping. And all of this was happening before 2 p.m. And then we'd start doing our normal jobs. And so like that is the kind of thing that I just sit back and I'm like, this is amazing. Like how, I, how can I give this up? I love being able to go skydiving in the morning and then just go back to my day job in the evening. It's something where if you were just working a nine to five, that type of experience would be something that you looked back on the rest of your life and potentially told kids about over and over and over again. But that was just a Thursday. Like, sure, it was exactly. an exciting, th- like a, an amazing Thursday, but it was still just a Thursday. And that's the thing. I feel like I have just those Thursdays quite often. Like, I remember having another morning where it, this was in Mauritius when we were on Wi-Fi Tribe chapter, and we just went whale swimming with whales in the morning. And I'm like, we live the weirdest lives where we're just Thursday morning swimming with whales. Okay, going to go back and get on my computer. And it's really being present and taking in those moments and not taking them for granted, but being able to appreciate, celebrate that and being proud of like the work that you've done to be able to live this amazing lifestyle with this this amazing group of people. And I think that's also what was really cool about Plattenberg was there's 12 of us that were able to make this happen. And I was talking to a girlfriend from home and she's like, Julie, like it, I can't even get two friends to go out with me on the weekends. Like, how do you get 12 people to sign up to go on a road trip for five, six days? And it's like, this is like, this is how it works in this community. It's just, you got people that say yes and people make it happen. Yeah, the thing about it is when you go back home, you said it's so hard to get people to commit to just a dinner or something like that. This community that we have is so much compressed time. We spend so much time together. Like You'd spend more time on that plet trip than I would with the majority of my friends an entire year. Like You just cram in so much time and so much sharing and so much community. That actually is a nice little segue. Tell me, what, what do you like about this digital nomad community? and building these friendships. Yeah, I think that's the thing that I've actually, like I enjoy maybe even more than travel is the community aspect of this. And going back for a second, I think like having, like not being in New York all the time, when I go back, people are like, Julie, we see you more than we see our other friends. Like they don't realize that I'm gone because I come back every three to four months and I'm making the most of that time together. But I think being part of the digital nomad community, as I said, like I am an extreme extrovert. I love people. And so what I've really enjoyed and one of the reasons why I'm okay going back to places I've been before is seeing the place through other people's eyes and experiences. It's doing it together. And another thing that I think really hit home for me was spending the month in Mauritius I was kind of going through like a lower point and 
I came to Mauritius and there was 25 people, probably seven of them I had known from previous chapters, but the rest were like, were all new faces. And within the first week, I felt so seen, so appreciated, and just loved that we were in a community. Everyone was contributing. And I think when you get into your later 20s, your early 30s, your later 30s, like you aren't in these spaces. <laughs> but Jeff, you're, you're not, everyone's 38, <laughs> right? Everyone's 38. But when you're after a certain point in your career where you are having a more stable career, you're not meeting new people all the time, like it's hard to feel those new bursts of energies, those new relationships. It's hard to feel validated. And I think that's what's so lovely about this community is every week, every month, you're thrown into new environments, new people, and you get to these skills that you used to always do in college or right after. And so you get to make new friends. You get to see, feel like people understand you, appreciate you in ways that I think is a lot harder in the more sedentary lifestyle. It's a really good point. It's more common than not when you get older, your relationships start to dwindle. You have fewer and fewer. You're not put into these situations where you're building community unless you're actively seeking it. That's just kind of like the natural way that you move. But when you're in these communities, like you said, you see, you feel really, really seen. And when you go and hang out with not just Wi-Fi tribers, especially Wi-Fi tribers, but digital nomads, for the most part, a lot of people are seeing things fairly similar. So you're, you're picking up conversations where it's like, I feel like I've known this person for a long time, even if you haven't known them. And you see things kind of similarly, like just a natural curiosity about the world. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. Like we want to, we're here because we want to build community and we, and we want that shared experience because just traveling alone for the sake of travel, what's the point if you're not going to share it with anybody? And this, exactly, yeah, this gives you an opportunity to A, see the entire world and experience its culture and share it with very like-minded people, which is a really special thing. Definitely. I think just, yeah, can, like I have done some solo travel before and like okay. I remember going to the Louvre seeing the Mona Lisa and I'm just like, okay, I saw it, check. But like I needed to be there seeing it with someone to experience it. And like exactly. it's the conversations, it's the ways in which that you're like you navigated yourself into the Louvre and like the things that you're seeing on the way that and like probably the food that you've eaten before after and it just makes you appreciate it more when you get to for me uh -huh. when I get to share it with someone okay Julie next topic I want to talk about something that can be a little bit difficult for digital nomads dating what's your experience dating as a digital nomad yeah, I'd say that this is also something that people have a lot of questions on. I am single, and I think people from home are often like, you're always moving. It's never going to be, you're never going to be able to find someone that way. And I hear their concerns, but at the same time, it's something that I love doing. And so I don't want to change my lifestyle to try and stay sedentary for the hopes of Prince Charming. And I also think that this lifestyle attracts certain people that I have a lot in common with. That being said, I haven't found my Prince Charming yet. And so it is quite difficult. I think there are times where 
it, it, like this is one of the reasons why slow matting I think is more applicable to dating. It gives you more options to uh, form those connections. You can date people that live there in the area, but also you can also always meet people through the digital nomad community. I just haven't had luck in either yet, but I am open to the possibilities. But I'd also say that I, when you're in a new place, it's an amazing, dating is an amazing way to see see the city. Like I have gone on dates here in Cape Town and one of my first dates was a trail run. And it's like, that's amazing. My second date was- That is so you. But oh, and my second date was kayaking and I- told the guy I was like this is probably the best date I've ever gone on because we just he had his own kayak we went out on Muli Point and I am not exaggerating there were literal dolphins jumping over our kayaks and there was a, oh my God. a seal the conversation wasn't great but like I got to go kayaking and like so it's like I think I have a lot more energy for dating while I'm living this lifestyle whereas in New York it was just monotonous. It was the same kinds of conversations. And so I'm just, I think my heart is more open in these, in this environment. So how do you feel about dating other digital nomads versus people that are like stuck in one spot? Meaning like if you're dating a digital nomad, how does that work? I haven't dated a digital you? nomad. You really. haven't done it. Okay. Well, okay. To be fair. So I did date for a year and he introduced himself to me as a digital nomad, but that was a lie. What he meant by that was he could work remotely for six weeks. I was like, cool, that's bro. That's not a digital nomad. That's not a digital nomad. <laughs> I did say no, digital that's... nomads come in all shapes and sizes, but working remotely for six weeks and then going back and living in one place for the rest of your life and not having any interest in ever living anywhere else, that is not, not a digital, a digital nomad. nomad. But I'd say I haven't really dated in the nomad group. And I think that's probably because there's, I feel a little bit more pressure. Like you will see these people again. And so I, and I don't love drama. And so just, I think for me to date in the digital nomad scene, there would have to be something that I feel really confident in, in a way that like, if you date locals, it's like, okay, you, you can be like, this was great for a month, but now I'm go moving on. But then it also is hard because if they're not nomadic, there might be that resistance to even forming something. But I, I do believe that I am truly open to whatever comes my way. Yeah. One of the difficult parts about dating a digital nomad also is it goes from zero to a hundred in like a flash. It's, it's like, okay, you're hanging out in the same location. And then if you, if you still want to see that person when the time is up and wherever it is that you're at, it's like, okay, let's move in together at the next place. Let's travel together. And you go from like zero to married in a flash of a second, which can be really, really difficult because there's, it's skipping a whole lot of steps to get to that point. But that's, I mean, I love that. It's relationships on a magnifying glass, a magnifying lens. It's just <laughs> like, what? and like, especially when you're 38, Jeff, or 33, Julie, like you, you time, like you want to know things faster, but I think it's, you have to be able to also give yourself, give the other person that grace and know that just because you are moving at a hundred miles per hour and there's a lot of things that make you seem like you're you've been dating for a year or two years 
you also have only known each other for a month or something. And so it's still that exploratory phase and you need to be kind to each other. Uh, do you use dating apps? I do use dating apps here in Cape Town. I use... The best in- one. I like Hinge the best. I think uh-huh. I've never once downloaded Tinder, but Hinge for me is just more manageable. I also have Bumble, but I don't enjoy that one as uh-huh. much because I have to be more active on it. You have to like swipe to see who likes you. And then also you as a female have to take the initiative to talk, to start the conversation. So whereas much in- better. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> but in Hinge, so much easier. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, I love it. Yeah, yeah. And But then in Hinge, you get to just, like, go through the people that like you, and it's just a lot less work, I think. So. Mm-hmm. Are you good? You are an extreme extrovert. Are you good at dating? I think I'm great at a first date. Mm-hmm. It's, but I don't know after that. I think I often don't want to have second dates with people. I think people like to have second dates with me, but it's because I listen and ask questions and I'm very good at getting people to talk about themselves unlike in this podcast this is very different for me where I'm just talking about myself the whole time but yeah I think I'm surprised you didn't the... ask me a bunch of questions <laughs> that's your that's your mo <laughs> that is my mo but I took my role really seriously here but yeah and the so I think people just like feel connection oftentimes because I listen and I ask questions the things that for me that lack the the me wanting to go on a second date with people are they're usually not funny like people don't make me laugh and I'm very easy to I'm I have a it's very easy to make me laugh so if that doesn't happen then like there's something wrong I also really like people to be passionate about something and but also not preachy I don't like people that like are know-it-alls but they come at it from like I really love this I want to explore this and then people that are curious and it's that trifecta I think that I am somewhat looking for and have yet to really find. Mm. So if I had to plug anything, Jeff. (laughs) What would you like to plug today, Julie? (laughs) No. If I had to plug anything, if any of you (laughs) nomads out there meet that criteria, hit me up. (laughs) (laughs) There's your your plug. Well, you've got, you know, a few thousand people are going to see, hear this thing. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe there is somebody in the audience. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she's a great first dater we got that Ka- yeah great kayaking first dater. is a tip kayaking yep. is a cheat code we know that or kind of or like, run might have uh, cracked your first date <laughs> yeah hiking anything active on the first date too and then just make me laugh it's easy not asking for much guys okay everybody we got the julie cheat code here you know exactly <laughs> what to do <laughs> there you go. in cape town if you're there <laughs> And summer in the right. ES, come come our way. <laughs> in the ES, in the ES. I was talking to somebody the other day, and somebody was telling them, oh, you're so lucky that you get to live this lifestyle. And, like, yeah, I, I, I've, I've got, I take some issue with that because on one hand, yes, I'm very, very grateful, but I wouldn't say any of us are lucky. I think we all, like worked very hard to get to this point in our lives where we're able to do this kind of thing and and be able to share these moments with people. What do you think? Yeah, I I listened to the podcast you had with Coco, who is my roommate now, and you guys were talking about that, and it 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 hit pretty hard because it it does take a lot of work 
um, commitment to adopting this lifestyle. But at the same time, there are things that I think we're more privileged in, in terms of like, as Coco said, our passports, our income that makes it more us more able to do this but I think then like other people from New York or from the Bay Area where you're from but I think it is just like when I talk about my lifestyle to my friends from home they're like oh you're so you're so lucky and it's like okay you could do it too if you wanted to it's just you're not prioritizing those aspects of your life but of course there are some careers where it isn't as applicable to be a nomad and I think I am one of the few lawyers that have adopted this lifestyle and I feel that's where I feel very lucky that I've been able to use my profession and be able to adapt it in a way that allows me to really embrace my interests and brings out the most productive side of me in terms of work, but also the most uh-huh. productive side of me in terms of Julie as a person. Uh-huh. Do you find that it's, speaking of being a lawyer, do you find that it's a little bit more difficult than some of the other digital nomad folks to do what you do? You have to take so many phone calls and you have to be very careful with confidentiality and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. When the first time I was a nomad was in Colombia, and I remember one of the first conversations I had with Diego and was like, I need a room that has a door, a desk, and really good Wi-Fi. Like, I, because one, I'm going to be on calls with clients that, and I need client attorney, attorney confidentiality. And two, I'm going to be teaching my law school courses from here and I can't go out in the middle of this. And so I'm definitely on more calls than most people. And I have to be careful to make sure I am in a private space. So you'll rarely ever see me working at a cafe, co-working space, but I am pretty good at working from a bed if I have to. I don't need a desk anymore. And you, you like I adapt, but it's just I do need to be able to have consistent and a and a door. Uh, yeah. What would you say over the last couple of years of doing this, you would consider your top moments or a top moment, something that just comes to mind when I say, you know, what's been awesome about this? Give me a moment where this lifestyle was just like mind-blowingly good. I think the th- one thing that sticks out was at the end of the first Santa Marta chapter where there was a group of 10 plus people that rented out Shakira's beach house. Just to... I didn't know about that. That's <laughs> oh amazing. yeah, Sh- Shakira's beach house. And now it's become a, a thing that a lot of tribers do. I think we were the first group to do it, but it's an amazing house right outside Tyrone. And you, you get to see the ocean, but then there's a swamp and then there's palm Ooh, trees. Swamp. And then there's mountains. It's like I've never seen all like four different kinds of uh, different landscapes. Yeah, tr- ex- it was amazing. <laughs> amazing. But yeah, we rented out Shakira's beach house, and uh, we did what now has been fun, fondly uh, known as Camp Shakira, where I helped plan basically just childhood games. And just made everyone do things from an egg race to to wheelbarrow races to Dizzy Lizzie's. And it just became like one of the best nights where we're all just wearing, it was color war. Like there was boys versus girls, blue versus orange. And it just became a amazing night of PG-13 fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. What would you say? Okay, so that's the top moments. Conversely. What would you say were some low moments? 
It could be for you. It could be just like as a oh digital nomad life. Sometimes the reality is not all it's cracked up, cracked up to be. I feel like I'm going to give you like a job interview question where it's like, what's your weakness? And then you spin it. But I do think this is something that really helps me feel comfortable in taking this nomad course or like this nomad course for my life. And that's the second week I was in Colombia. So second week of being a nomad, I would say was probably one of the hardest weeks of my life. I had gone scuba diving. I had never gone scuba diving before. Was So I did something that was physically draining. I somehow got food poisoning. My grandmother died. My client was murdered. And then my ex got engaged. And so <laughs> it was just like punch after punch after punch. And I, it was really, really hard. But at the same time, I was feeling so lucky that I was in Colombia because if I wasn't, I would have been in New York. I would have been in the winter. I would have been in my apartment by myself. Miserable. And I think the nomad, and even though these were people that I had known for just over, they were there to either help me process or help distract. And I think it was being able to go through that with now some of my best friends that brought us really close together. And, oh, and I also had my first week of my first class of law school. So it was just like everything. And I think it was just really beautiful to experience that with people and know that I could be vulnerable with them so early on. And like some of my housemates, they planned, I'm, I'm Jewish. And so in Jewish culture, you have like a shiva. And so they helped plan a shiva to help me talk about my grandmother and because I had to, I wasn't able to go back for the funeral and they let me do like the speech that I would have done there. And so it was just really beautiful to experience that with them and know that even though I wasn't with my family, I was at the start of creating a new family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. That's really, really hard. But at the same time, very fortunate that you're surrounded by these people that were able to help you through that. Yeah, the client's murder thing that just oh. that continued to last throughout the rest of Colombia and Guatemala. This was a client that uh -huh. was murdered by the Taliban. So he was in Afghanistan and that was the Jesus. start of the fall of Afghanistan. And I was dealing with that throughout my time in Colombia, Guatemala, and even when in San Francisco. And I think, again, being able to go through this, but be... Uh, have other things to help me separate between what I was dealing with on the phone or in interviews and then being able to just go exercise or go hike. It just helped f refill my tank in a way that I don't know would have happened if I was living a sedentary lifestyle. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. What would you say would be some, when people think of the digital nomad lifestyle, what would you say are some misnomers about how we live? I think the biggest one I get is, isn't it lonely? And I'm like, oh. it's the opposite of lonely. Uh, I feel like I'm inundated with social social opportunities. I think a lot uh -huh. of people think that as a digital nomad, you are traveling around by yourself. And like, yeah, every once in a while you're lucky and you like are at a hostel and you make friends. But uh -huh. I don't think they understand that this is a community. And like, have I, as I've tried to explain it to others, it's like, we are a home. We just move together to different locations. Just because we don't have one base, 
we still like I always feel like I'm seeing the same faces and it gives me that stability in a way that other people uh, get stability from a geographic location. So that to yeah, me is the biggest. A little, yeah. It's a little mobile family. It's a moving yeah. family. It's, and it's yeah. beautiful. It is. Papa yeah, Jeff. It really is. Papa Jeff. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> After having done this for a bit now, you're you're getting pretty good at this lifestyle. What, what kind of things would you recommend to somebody that's looking to become a digital nomad? Like going back in time, you're going to speak to Julie of two years ago and say, hey, you need to know these things. I think what I would have liked to know is if you're thinking about it, just do it. Like, again, I had this on my bucket list of like this had intrigued me for a while and it only took until COVID where I was able to make it happen. And I could have easily adopted this two, three years before. And I don't know why I was hesitant. I think it was uh, like scared to like leave my social scene, scared to leave my apartment, scared to maybe even though I was allowed to work remotely with my employer, there would have been like financial ramifications. And I didn't really want to navigate all of that until COVID really just opened my eyes. So I think the biggest uh-huh. tip is if you're thinking about it, do it. And also you can do it in baby steps. You don't have to d- dive all in and that might make you feel, might make it feel a little bit more manageable. So like, again, when I started, it was like, I'm going to do it for two, three months. We'll see what happens. And then I called my parents and then they moved out my stuff. But like you could do it for two to three months, go back to your place. It's very easy to Airbnb or sublet your apartment. So you don't have to take the big step, but you should lean into it, see if you like it, and then go from there. You can definitely do a test run. It's like to, to take a month, I'm going to go work in Colombia or Mexico City, something super easy and be like, all right, you're going to fall in love with it. Like, it's just, I don't think I've met anybody that's gone backwards and it's like, oh, no, I'm done with this. I didn't like that lifestyle. It's just like, Here's an opportunity to see the world with a bunch of your best friends. Like, yeah, of course. It's amazing. And again, nomads come in all different shapes and sizes. And I think that's another misnomer True. is like, like people, some people think, oh, you're a nomad. You don't have any roots. And it's like, no, I have nomads that like, Jeff, you have a place in the Bay Area or my friends have an apartment in Barcelona. Mm-hmm. And so, as and there are people like me that literally have their stuff spread out again around three <laughs> continents and don't have any roots anywhere but like you make it work and you'll figure out which one's the best for you yeah what's your travel itinerary coming up for the rest of the year a lot of question marks but after south africa i go to uganda so since i've become a nomad i have switched jobs i'm no longer practicing refugee law i now i'm what i describe as a human rights lawyer and i'm focused on education in sub-saharan africa and most of my organization is in uganda so now i go to uganda three to four times a year. And so after South Africa, I'll go to Uganda. Then I have to go back to the States for a little bit for a work event. And my brother is in a performance that I want to see him in. And then after that, like I said, I'll, it will be the summer of Ia's. And then we'll see see from there. I think that's the also the beautiful thing about this lifestyle is somebody whispers something in your ear and you're like, okay, that yep. sounds great. Let's do it. Let's go. Uh, like, I said summer of years, and now I have a place booked in July for Estonia with five other friends. And it's like, great, we, we're doing it. Why not? <laughs> it's awesome. Well, thank you very much for joining me today, Julie. This has been awesome chatting with you. 
Thank you, Jeff. This has been awesome. I'm so glad we finally got to do it a year in the making. Yep. What podcast a year in the making? (laughs) Amazing. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Make sure you get signed up to our email list so we we send out two remote job listings every single week. So make sure you go to beachcommute.com backslash email, put in your email address there, and you'll get on the list. Thank you, everybody, for joining us, and we'll see you again next week. Oh, 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 oh,